KMTT, today's Tuesday, and the year in Pashat Shavua beforehand. Again, we're having our drive week, uh, donation week, support of KMTT to keep it going. I repeat the phone number of our office in New York. You can call up, make a donation by phone, or just to get information, 212-732-4874. If you have a chance, you can push the pause button right now on your MP3 player and call the number 212-732-4874. The number in Israel, if you're in Israel, or if you just want to call Israel, we have a special number that's manned all waking hours. Don't call in the middle of the night local time, but all waking hours. You can call this number in Israel, 0524-311-911. Someone is waiting by the line to receive your call. Participate in the support of Kimitzion Tetzei Torah, KMTT. And now, Shur in Parshat HaShavua. Rabbi Jonathan Snowbelt, Parshat Vayichi. This week's Parsha, Parshat Vayichi, essentially sits on the threshold between Sefer Bereshit, Stories of the Avot, and Sefer Shmot, stories of B'nai Israel in Mitzrayim, in Siat Mitzrayim. In that sense, it holds crucial information and understanding what took place that changed the Jewish role in Mitzrayim from a, a positive role to one of slavery. And in that sense as well, we have to allow ourselves to look both into Parashat Shmot and Parashat Vayigash in order to give ourselves the full overview and the full picture of understanding what's transpiring here. In Parashat Shmot, indeed, we read, Vayako melech hadash al Mitzrayim asher lo Yosef. Rashi brings down Machloket Rav and Shmuel. What does melech hadash mean? Does hadash mean he was really a new king, a new pharaoh, and therefore he did not know Yosef? Or does chadash mean, does new mean that he renewed his gzerot, his decrees against the Jewish people, and he made himself new, but he wasn't really known? Asher lo yadayat Yosef is the second half of this pasuk. Rashi says, Asher lo yadayat Yosef, Asayat smol ki'il lo He made himself as if he did not know. One, which of the two uh, explanations is Rashi referring to when he says he made himself as if he did not know? The Ikar Siftei Chachamim suggests that if it's the Pharaoh who knew Joseph, but um, he, only his decrees were new, then we have to say, He made himself as if he, doesn't, he did not know. But if he was truly a new Pharaoh, so it's possible that he really did not know Yosef. And we raise the question here, is that possible? Is it possible that if it was a new pharaoh, he did not know Yosef? We read at the end of Parshat Vayigash, last week's Parsha, how Joseph set up the entire economy of Egypt. Due to the famine, the people became completely dependent on the house of pharaoh for food, 
Joseph bought all their, took all their money from them, he took their, their cattle, and finally he took their lands and the people themselves to the ownership of Pharaoh. Of Pharaoh, the, the lands of Egypt were entirely owned by Pharaoh as a result of Joseph's actions. And as a result of this ownership, the land was given over to the people so that they would work the land and give a fifth, 20% of their crop back to Pharaoh. This whole situation, the economic situation that exists in Egypt as a result of Joseph, comes from Yosef. From Joseph. How can any Pharaoh, and certainly not the next one, not know of Yosef? Is therefore our suggestion that Asa'at Smokil Loyada, he made himself as if he did not know, is true regardless of whether it was the old Pharaoh who renewed decrees or if it's a new Pharaoh. In any case, they knew who Yosef was, they chose to forget about Yosef. And that leads us to our question of why. What, what, what's, what's transpired here? From here we come back into our Parsha. In our Parsha we describe many things, Yaakov asking to be buried in Eretz Canaan, Yaakov giving out his final words to his sons, his brachot, before he dies, Yaakov dying. As we mentioned at the beginning of the parsha, Yaakov made Yosef swear that he would bury him not in Egypt but in Canaan, in Marat Machpelah, where his wife Leah and his father and mother and his grandfather and grandmother were all buried. This apparently, this request, though Yosef swore to do it, was not obvious, it was not obvious that Yosef would be able to fulfill this request. After Yaakov dies and is mummified and is, is cried over by all of Egypt for 70 days, Yosef has to ask permission to bury his father Yaakov in Eretz Canaan. But let us read exactly how he asks permission. In Perak Nun, Pasuk Dalad, we read, The days of crying over Yaakov passed. Who is Yosef's request? Who does Yosef turn to when he requests? Yosef turns to Vaidaber Yosef El Beit He does not turn directly to Paro. He turns to Paro's servants, Beit Paro. And then he says, If I have pleased you and I am worthy in your eyes, he says this to Pharaoh's servants, please speak to Pharaoh, to Pharaoh the following, Joseph, who wears the king's ring, Joseph, who Pharaoh put in charge of 
all of Egypt does not speak directly to Paro. He turns, asking, please, groveling, if you will, to the servants of Paro. He does not have a direct speech with him. And he says, could you please, if it's okay, if I'm worthy in your eyes, could you please speak to, to, to Paro and ask him if I could bury my father in Eretz Canaan? Who is this person? Who is this Joseph? Why does he need to ask permission? And if he does need to ask permission, why does he need to turn to the servants of Pharaoh and ask them if they would please turn to Pharaoh and ask him, why can't he turn, ask Pharaoh himself? What's going on here? Where, what, what has transpired here that has moved Yosef from practically the person in charge of Egypt to a lowly minister, let's say, in the house of Pharaoh, that he doesn't have direct discussions with Pharaoh. He must use intermediaries in order to get his request through to Pharaoh. What has happened here? This, this question is, is a question of tremendous importance. And in order to find an answer to this question, we must go back to Parashat Vayigash. And understand what transpired when Yosef was not the sole Ivri or sole Jew, if you may, in Mitzrayim, but became one of the people that now lived in Mitzrayim. If we go back to Parshat Vayigash, as we suggested, we we see in Perak Memhe that Yosef revealed himself to his brothers. And as a result of revealing himself to his brothers, he says in Perak Memhe, Psukim, Tet, Yud, Yud, Aleph, Go quickly down to my father, tell them who I am in Mitzrayim, come down to me, don't wait, he says to his father. And you will sit in the land of Goshen, and you will be close to me, you and your sons, and your, the sons of your sons, and your cattle, and your flock, and everything that you have, and I will take care of you, because there is another five years of famine. Yosef, upon revealing himself to his brothers, immediately suggests that the brothers should go down to Yaakov, bring him out of Canaan, bring him to Mitzrayim, and Yosef will take care of him. And they will sit in the land of Goshen. Okay, but let's read on. In Pasuk Zayin, we hear that Paro hears that Yosef's brothers have come, and this he's pleased with this. In Pasuk Tetzayin, Vaitav ve'inei Paro ve'inei Avadav, they're very pleased to hear that Yosef's brothers have come. Why are they pleased? Are they pleased to hear that Yosef was finally reunited with, their bro- with his brothers? Are they happy that this family is being reunited together? We read further, Paro has a brilliant idea. Paro says to Joseph, tell your brothers that they should pack up their bags, go to Canaan, and bring with them, bring their father and their families, and come to Mitzrayim. And then Paro says, they should take agalot, they should take carriages to bring their children and their wives and their father, and they should come. The first thing I'd like to point out is 
the repetition. Yosef independently suggested to his brothers that they should come down, go down, go up to Canaan and bring Yaakov and all their families to Mitzrayim in order to survive the famine. Paro has the exact same idea. Go, Paro repeats in Psukim Yudzayin Yudchet Yutet the exact same suggestion. Go down, bring your father, bring everything with you. I will give you everything, all the goods of Mitzrayim. Interestingly, Paro does not mention the fact that they need to come to Mitzrayim because of the famine. When Joseph suggests that they should come to Mitzrayim, it's because there's five more years of famine. But when Paro suggests it, he doesn't say anything about a famine, he just says they should all come, bring, bring everybody to Mitzrayim. More pointedly, in Pasuk Yudchet, and come to me, Paro says, and I will give you all the good of Eretz Mitzrayim and you will eat the fat of the land. Come to me, Paro says. Furthermore, in Pasukaf, Paro tells them, Ve'ein al tachos al klechem kituv kol lachem hu. And when you go down to Canaan, when you go back to Canaan to bring everybody, don't have mercy on your belongings. In other words, don't worry what you're taking, what you're not taking. Leave everything there. I will take care of you. I will give you everything. And indeed, they go. Now the question is, when they go, why are they going? Are they going because Yosef told them to go and bring Yaakov? Or are they going because Paro told them to go bring Yaakov and their families? I'm going back to the Agalot for a second. The first mention of the Agalot is in Pasuk Yutet. Paro says, Take Agalot, carriages, for your children and your wives, and bring your father with them to Canaan, to Eretz Mitzrayim. So, we see at the first mention of the Agalot, that Paro is sending Agalot. Pasukaf Aleph, Vayasuchen ben Israel, Vayiten lahem Yosef, Agalot al pi faro. Now we already have a confused message. Who is giving the Agalot? Yosef gives Bnei Israel Agalot al pi faro from on the command of Paro. So who's giving it? Yosef gave them Agalot or Paro gave them the Agalot? And then the very well known pasuk in pasuk kaf zayin. Vaidabruelav et kol Yosef. When the brothers go down to, when they go to Eretz Canaan, they say, they say to Yaakov, And Yaakov sees the Agalot that Yosef sent to bring him. Now there's no mention of Paro at all. The Agalot are Yosef's Agalot. Finally, once again, in Perak Memvav Pasuk Hei, the Agalot are mentioned again. Once again, the Agalot are now once again related to Paro. Throughout the Psukim, we see this tension. Who is sending the Agalot? Is Paro sending the Agalot? 
Or is Yosef sending the Agalot? What is the meaning of this tension? The tension is, why are they coming to Mitzrayim? Are they coming to Mitzrayim because Yosef told them to come to Mitzrayim? Or are they coming to Mitzrayim because Paro told them to come to Mitzrayim? What is the meaning of the fact that Paro told them to come to Mitzrayim? Paro sees Yosef. Yosef is his highest minister, second in command. He's practically ruling Mitzrayim single-handedly with Paro in the background. When Paro hears that Yosef's 11 brothers have come, his eyes light up. He's hit the jackpot. He doesn't have one Yosef to serve him and run Egypt for him. He could have 11 more Yosefs. His brothers are here. There's 11 more Yosefs. And if they're not all just like Yosef, they're similar to Yosef. They're certainly worthwhile people. They're certainly worthwhile people to add to his household to be ministers. So when Paro tells them, when he hears about Yosef, he says, Bo Eli, come to Mitzrayim, to me. Don't take anything from Canaan with you. Don't have mercy on your belongings. I will give you everything you need. Paro sends Agalot on his terms. But Paro is not the only one who sent Agalot. Yosef sent Agalot too. The same Agalot that Paro sent, Yosef says, I sent them. Yosef, and we'll see his brothers, apparently don't agree to the terms of Paro. And let's go one by one. When the brothers pack up their stuff, in Perak Memvav Pasuk Vav, it says, Vaikhu et miknehem, bet rechusham asher rachashu beretz kanan, vayavo mitzrayma Yaakov vechozaro ito. Did they leave everything behind as Paro suggested they should? I'll give you everything, Paro says. Leave everything behind, don't worry. No. They took their cattle and their belongings that they attained for themselves in Eretz Canaan, and they came with that to Mitzrayim. When Paro wants them to come empty-handed, he wants them to be dependent on him. He wants them part of his household, and he'll take care of them. And he honestly means it. He will take care of them. He'll give them everything. They don't want to take everything, anything from Paro. They come with their flock, and they come with their belongings. When they arrive, and Perak. Memvav, Pasuk, Lamed Aleph. The Torah describes, Vayomer Yosef elecha ve'albeit aviv, e'eleh ve'agida lefaro, ve'omra elav, achai uveit avi asher be'eretz kanan, ba'u elai! Yosef says to his brothers that I am going to tell Paro that my brothers and my father's household from Canaan have come to me. You will remember that in Perak Memhei Pasuk Yud Chet, Paro said to the brothers, Ubo'o Eli, to me, to Paro, Yosef responds to this and by saying, I will tell Paro that my father and my brothers have come to me. 
and we go further. The meeting between the brothers of Joseph and Paro has much meaning. Let's read what happens. Vayavo Yosef, Vayaged Lefaro, I'm reading from the beginning of Perak Mem Zayin, Pasuk Aleph. Vayomer, Avive Achai, Vitzonam Uvkaram, Vechol Asher Lehem, Baal Meretz Kanan, Vihinam Be'eretz Goshen. Yosef tells Paro that my brother, my brothers and my father and all their flock and their cattle and everything that they have, Vechol Asher Lehem, once again stressing, they did not come empty-handed. Come, they've come from Eretz Kanan and they're in Goshen. They're already in Goshen. He took some of his brothers, and Rashi says not just some of his brothers, the weaker brothers, the less impressive brothers. And he showed them to Paro. What do you do? We are shepherds. Us, our fathers, we've always been shepherds. What's the meaning of shepherds in Mitzrayim? Let's read in the previous parak, parak Memvav, the last pasuk, pasuk Lamedalad. When Yosef instructs his brothers to point out to Paro that they are shepherds, Vayomer, we have been shepherds from our youth until now, us and our fathers. Why do they say this? How are the brothers presented to Paro? They are shepherds. What are shepherds? Shepherds are to'avat Mitzrayim, the abomination of Mitzrayim. The Egyptians worship the flock. And they disdain, they hate, they despise Ro'ed's son. So Yosef takes the f- few of the weak brothers, five brothers, who are not so impressive, and what are they? They are shepherds. We're shepherds. You don't want us. And then, Vayomruel Paro, they say, they say furthermore to, pa- to Paro, Lagur ba'aretz banu, We came to the land because there's no food for the flock. Could we please live in the land of Goshen? We just read in, Pasuk, in Perak Mem Zayin, Pasuk Aleph, that Yosef already told Paro that they're already in Eretz Goshen. Yosef brought the brothers to Goshen. Essentially, he made it a fait accompli that they're already in Goshen. They didn't go to Paro as soon as they got there. They came, they put themselves down in Goshen. They settled in Goshen, and then they came to Paro, and they asked, could we please be in Goshen? We're shepherds. We're the abomination of Egypt. Why are they asking for something if it's a fait accompli? Because they're being polite. They created the situation where they're already in Goshen. They went to Goshen, they settled in Goshen. They went to Paro, they asked permission to live in Goshen after telling them that they are shepherds and they are the abomination of Mitzrayim. Paro understands. Vayomer Paro Yosef Lemor in Pasukhe Avicha veachecha ba'u eilecha. Paro understands. Your brother, your father, and your brothers, they didn't come to me. Like I said, 
They came to you. Eretz Mitzrayim lefanecha hi b'meitav ha'aretz hoshevet avicha v'etachecha pasuk zayin. The land of Egypt is in front of you. You could have put them, I'm adding in the words, you could have put them anywhere in the best lands of Mitzrayim. Yeshu b'aretz goshen. But if you insist, they can live in Goshen, as you've already requested, but as you've already done. Paro still holding on to some dream. If you know that amongst them are some great men on Sheikhail, then I know they're shepherds, but they could be in charge of my flocks. They can be my ministers too. Paro, he understands the situation. He understands through he's managed to read between the lines of Yosef and his brother's polite request to live in Goshen, that what he had dreamt of, of having 11 more Yosefs, is not happening. They're going to go to Goshen, they've come to Yosef, they've come with everything that they own, they didn't plan on being dependent on Paro. And nonetheless, Paro has still holding on to the, the dream in a small way. Alright, maybe not all 11 of them will be ministers in my court, but if you know of any of them, because I don't see any here in the five lousy brothers that you brought to me, but if there are any good brothers, great men amongst your brothers, bring them and make them ministers. Yosef and his brothers, Yaakov, didn't want to go down to Mitzrayim on Paro's terms. They didn't want to go in the Agalot that Paro sent. They wanted to go in the Agalot that Yosef sent. They wanted Yosef's terms. They did not want to integrate into Paro's court. They wanted to be separate. They wanted to be in Goshen. And this is what Rashi essentially hints to us when he tells us in Pasuk, in Perak Mem Vav, Pasuk Kafchet, Ved Yehuda, Shalach, Lefanav el Yosef, Lehorot Lefanav Goshna, Yaakov sent, according based on the Midrash Agadah, Yaakov sent Yehuda to set up Batei Midrash in Goshen. When Yaakov and his sons came down to Mitzrayim, they had no intention of being ministers and integrating into Paro's court like Yosef did. They had only intentions of maintaining a Jewish identity in the land of Goshen. Paro saw Yosef as someone who could be different, a Jew, an Ivri, more precise, and he could have a family, and he could raise them as Ivrim, but he could be a full-fledged part of Paro's court. But there's a difference between one Jew integrating into Paro's court and a nation integrating into Paro's court. Once Yaakov and his sons came down to Mitzrayim, they were not individuals who could, in their room, put on tefillin and be good Jews. They were a nation, a nation with wives, with children. They could not just be part of Paro's court and maintain their identity. They had to decide whether they were going to integrate into Paro's court or maintain their identity. And they chose very clearly to maintain their identity and not integrate into Paro's court. And when we come back with this, we come back with this to our to our this week's parsha. Seventeen years have transpired 
from the time when the brothers arrived in Mitzrayim, Yaakov and his, and his sons arrived in Mitzrayim, and to Yaakov's death. In those 17 years, Paro witnessed no one of the brothers coming to be integrated as one of the ministers in his court. He probably also witnessed Yosef ebbing ever so slightly, ever so slowly, away from him and into the court of his father Yaakov. He saw that his dream was not a dream that was going to come true. And he saw this group of people not only not integrating, but being their own people in the land of Goshen. This explains Yosef and Paro's relationship 17 years later. Yosef is no longer the Mishnah Lamelech. He's no longer the second in command. He no longer runs Mitzrayim. He can't even have a direct conversation with, Yaak- with Paro. Yosef can only ask through emissaries, through intermediaries, if he could please have his request from Paro, to which Paro answers favorably. But when Yosef dies, that's the last memory of any connection between the court of Egypt and Yosef. All that is left to the eye is this new people who have nothing to do with the Egyptian people living in the land of Goshen on their own, with their flock, They are different, they are separate. And on this basis, we understand next week's parsha, whether he was new or old, he knew who Yosef was. He didn't... He forgot about Yosef. Yosef was a memory. Yosef, who took charge of Egypt and was the star minister in, in Paro's court, disappeared in Yosef's life. Yosef left the courts of Egypt emotionally, if not properly and if not physically, to be a member of his family, to be a member of the Jewish people. The Jewish people must always remember from this example that when we go into foreign lands, individuals can integrate, as Yosef did. But the Jewish nation, if it is to survive and maintain its identity, must not integrate. And that is the lessons of Parshiot, Vayigash, Vayichi, and ultimately Sefer Shmot. And from this keeping of the Jewish identity, the Jewish people survive the slavery and leave Mitzrayim. We'd like to remind you that it's KMTT Drive Week, and uh, if you have been enjoying the various shurim on KMTT, and halacha, and parsha, whatever it may be, and it's enhanced your learning, uh, we'd be very happy if you would give a hand to KMTT and help us out as well. Thank you very much, and have a Shabbat Shalom. KMTT Drive Week, the number in New York. You can call for information or to make the donation on the phone, 212-732-4874. In Eretz Israel. Number is manned all the time. O five two four three one one nine one one. Call Tov and we'll be back tomorrow.